This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. from the draft but it is that time again welcome in to finsider radio this is the jake and josh show part of sb nations the finsider go check out our website we're posting content daily over there welcome in before i introduce my co-host joshua house let me remind you guys if you are enjoying what you're listening to smash that subscribe button to know the next minute a episode of the jake and josh show hits the airwaves hits the rss feeds all that jazz wherever you listen to your podcast smash that subscribe button that stuff helps us out a lot. Without further ado, Joshua House, we got spring weather, buddy. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Jake. And first, we have to apologize because we intended on doing a mock draft Monday. Um, we pushed it to Tuesday. But yes, the weather is changing. And, you know, lots of news is finally starting to drop. Lots of smoke surrounding the NFL draft. And, Jake, let's just jump right into it because the biggest move that's gone on over the last, what, 24 hours is Sam mm-hmm. Darnold has been traded from the New York Jets to the Carolina Panthers. Give me your thoughts on that and tell us a little bit about the trade. I think first and foremost, it, it's you got to think about the fact the Panthers tried to trade up in the draft. I guess what San Francisco could offer was a little bit more. Um, and it was pretty clear once the Dolphins made a trade with San Francisco that the Jets weren't trading. You know, they were going to draft a quarterback. And maybe that was enough for the Panthers to really open their eyes and say, all right, let's make a move. Let's get Darnold. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's fate is still up in the air. And Josh, the, the funniest thing I thought about this is the amount of photoshops, the amount of gifts the Panthers posted right away when this trade happened. That was the biggest, biggest sign that this trade was in the work for a couple weeks. Yeah, and I mean, we know these things, you know, they take time to develop. And, you know, these teams have been talking for months, but it was just awesome to see. I think the one was they took that gif that said out indefinitely. And, you know, they did this cool little graphic and switched it over to a jersey swap and a Panthers uniform. But I, I like the Hey Darnold one, but um, they, they seem excited about this move. And, you know, they did give up a pretty, um, you know, they gave up a decent amount of draft picks. You have three picks in total. One is a 2026th round draft pick, which, as we know, is the 226th overall pick. They also gave up a 2022nd second-round pick as well as a fourth-round pick. 
for Sam Darnold. So, you know, this was a, again, a pretty significant move to get a quarterback. And, you know, once they realized that they weren't going to be able to trade up there, they went out there and they got a decent quarterback who I don't know how you feel, but I'm not certain that the book is closed on Sam Darnold. And to be paired there with Joe Brady, I mean, I like this situation. But for me, uh, that's a little bit too much compensation to give up again for a quarterback who uh, didn't work out in New York and is kind of on his last leg here in Carolina. It's crazy because I listened to a bunch of podcasts, I read a bunch of tweets, and the market for Darnold, everyone was saying a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, something in that range. For the Panthers to give up this much, it, it kind of seems a little bit of uh, desperation coming from Carolina. You know, those are, those are going to be pretty big picks next year, especially if Darnold isn't the guy. What do you do if you're the Panthers? I mean, you, you're, you're losing all your draft picks, so that is a little bit concerning, but it doesn't matter. We're not Panthers fans. They can do whatever they want. I could care less, but it is worth noting that the Jets really are putting together a stockpile of draft picks. It's reaching that Dolphins uh, stage of the war chest, and, and that is a little bit concerning. Uh, but if, if the Jets have taught us anything in over the last, what, 50 years, is, is that they're going to mess this up. You know, that's just kind of how it goes in uh, New York. But everything messes up until it doesn't. And uh, let, let, let's hope it continues that way in New York and, and the Dolphins are the team in top of the division for uh, years to come. For this Finn Slider, man, it is a really quarterback-oriented um piece i'll say because one you know this kind of solidifies which was already pretty solid as is that the jets are going to take a quarterback at two and it came out today that the Falcons, today being tuesday excuse me the falcons are receiving calls on the number four pick and josh it, correct me if i'm wrong but the only way a team's moving up to number four is if it's for a quarterback yeah, absolutely. And it, to me, I mean, craziest thing for me here, Jake, is how it's all starting to fall together. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but it sounds like the Jets are almost locked in on Zach Wilson. And uh, again, I can't say it enough. I'm a Justin Fields guy. I think he might be quarterback two in this class. So, um, you know, it would be so Jets and, you know, it'd be perfect for them to, like you said, they acquired this war chest of draft picks. And I think, Jake, I'm trying to find a number, but I actually think they now have more draft picks over the next two seasons than the Dolphins do so they definitely have a lot of ammunition there but uh, it'd be so New York Jets for them to go out there and take a Zach Wilson and watch him bust opposed to who again I think Justin Fields or even some of those other guys but if a team does trade up to four I mean that is absolutely going to signal a quarterback and we've heard it all offseason I think Chris Greer even after this trade went down with uh you know, when they traded back with San Francisco and then back up with the Eagles, the belief was that they did this because they saw four quarterbacks coming off the board, mm -hmm. you know, in those first five picks. So um, Dolphins are going to have a decision make, and we're going to be talking about that for three weeks now. But uh, this was a move that we saw eventually coming, and I think it is a good landing spot for Sam Darnold. But um, hopefully the Jets go out there and they do make that wrong decision at quarterback because that would set them back quite a few years. The thing that's kind of um, ironic about this, Josh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, Zach Wilson coming out of college and, and Sam Darnold coming out of college, I mean, is that not the Spider-Man meme? Are these guys not pointing right at each other? Uh, I think they are. They are. <laughs> you know, they, they both kind of have the same tendencies. They both have uh, kind of the same issues with a few errant throws, you know, and uh, obviously everyone's freaking out about Zach Wilson after, you know, threw across his body 50 yards and, you know, deservingly so if I was looking for a quarterback in the top three, I'm, I'm going to grab onto everything I can. But hey, that I think that's enough Jets talk. Uh, you, you mentioned it, Josh. If a quarterback goes at four, I mean, this draft is going to be Miami's to control. And I'm not even just talking about that sixth overall pick. I'm talking about what you're going to do at 18, what you're going to do in the second round. Uh, and I really picked up on that quickly when doing my mock draft because uh, there's always going to be guys that fall, right? You know, we pencil in these guys and we use pencil for a reason. We, we put in these draft picks uh, in a specific order based on mock drafts, based on uh, the perception of analysts. 
But in reality, we have no idea what the GMs are thinking. You know, there was an interesting report that, as we mentioned, the Falcons are receiving calls for number four. Uh, somebody on uh, Good Morning Football NFL Network uh, reported that the Falcons are targeting Kyle Pitts with the number four draft pick. And this is where the chess match really starts to begin for the Miami Dolphins because while that could certainly be true, you know, you give Matt Ryan another weapon, you really go for it in his last couple of years in Atlanta. Uh, there are rumors that the Falcons might even take a quarterback. But my wired Monday morning thoughts when I read this, Josh, and I sent it to you, I have the timestamp here at 7.52 a.m., was, I mean, wouldn't it be smart if you're the Falcons to say Kyle Pitts and you're forcing the Dolphins to move up two spots? You do a little trade back with them. You get, what, a, a future pick, maybe a second rounder just to uh, drop those two spots and you still get the quarterback that you wanted or whatever it may be. I don't know how real that is. I might be going to Charlie. Um, let's talk about the mail uh, here. But but that's kind of what I initially thought when I heard that the Falcons were targeting Kyle Pitts. Yeah, it's this whole Pepe Sylvia situation is what you're getting at. But I exactly. think, you know, if the Falcons were smart, I do think they would draft a quarterback. And, you know, that is a good thought that you had. And, you know, to sit there and say you want Pitts, who a lot of people are saying is without question, you know, the best non-quarterback player in this draft class, I mean, to sit there and say you have interest in them, to force a team to trade up, like you said, will be genius. But I do think that Chris Greer, you know, when he moved back to six, he, they had to have their eye on someone, and they had to be right. okay, you know, if Pitts didn't fall there. And I think our good friend Rob Prophet, you know, he's talking about it on Twitter today, but would you have traded back if you truly wanted Kyle Pitts, if you truly wanted uh, Jamar Chase? I don't know if you would have. I still, you know, in my heart of hearts, think that it's going to be Devontae Smith, but I don't know how the heck you can pass on Kyle Pitts, Jake. I mean, this guy is just a, a godly talent, and we'll talk about him, you know, as we progress in this podcast, but I, I don't know how you could pass on Kyle Pitts. So um, Atlanta, if I'm Atlanta, you know, I'm getting my quarterback to sit behind Matt Ryan, but to add Kyle Pitts to that offense, you know, with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, I mean, my God, it, it would be Dangerous. pretty damn, yeah, pretty damn tough to combat a, a team that powerful. And, you know, the, the Smith thing makes a lot of sense, but if Smith was the main target, I kind of would have hoped they'd stay at 12 and then hope he falls or you take Waddle. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Again, it's a lot of smoke screens. I, I think being at six, I think they are assuming, you know, whoever the Bengals go at five, they probably have a one-two punch ready. And, and the thing about being in that top ten, you're getting a, a diamond prospect, if you will, somebody yeah. who should come in and start right away. Yeah, just to go, kind of bring this all back together, kind of what you were touching on is, you know, four quarterbacks going, you know, that might force a fifth or even maybe a sixth to go in the first round. And like you said, it's just going to push very good talent down the draft board. And as we know, the Dolphins have four top 50 picks. So it's a win-win situation. And, you know, we all have our flavor of the moments. We all have the prospects that we like. But you can sit here and you can aim off all three of these guys. You can add Waddle to this uh, discussion. You can even throw Sewell into the mix. I mean, it's a very talented group, and the Dolphins should get a, like you said, a diamond, a, a gem of a player, and we should all be excited for that. Uh, let's take a quick break here, and on the other side, Mendel Mach 1.0. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And man, not to be a broken record here, but when you do mock drafts, and I've never been a huge mock draft guy because the 
chance of you hitting it right. It's it's so slim to none. Uh, but you do get an idea of players who can fall in the draft, especially when four quarterbacks go right away, right? And even in the teens, you know, you never know who's going to kind of slip down there and who was even going to slip into the second round. Who was the top 15 guy who is all of a sudden going at pick 60? You know, those things happen all the time in the draft. And, and this is just kind of to pass the time and get us there. So here we go. Uh, my first mock draft, I used the draft network for this one. Uh, sixth overall pick. Kyle Pitts, Florida. I mean, I'm just, as we get closer, uh, hand size, you know, none of the the wingspan, all this stuff, you know, you don't really have anything to compare it to, but you still get jazzed up about it just because it's something. It's new information. It, it, it's relatively interesting. And, and you're going to try to spin it in a way to make that player sound like he's the perfect fit for you. I mean, Pitts just seems like the ideal guy for the Dolphins if they want to you know, have all these matchup problems on the field. Uh, having Gusecki and Pitts on the field doesn't seem like the hardest thing in the world to really accomplish. Uh, Smith was still available. Uh, Sewell went four. Jamar Chase went five. And... With a quarterback still on the board, Justin Fields, I believe, is still on the board in this draft. Uh, maybe it was a good situation to move down. I didn't want to do any trades just for the sake of seeing how things will play out. Uh, but the Dolphins already did that. They already did a trade. And, and when you can get a chip like Pitts, I don't think you can go wrong here. So, so Josh, for me, I understand Smith. I, I, I would like the pick if it is Smith. I'll certainly talk myself into it. Uh, but for the sake of this, I mean, Kyle Pitts, I don't think anyone would be mad on draft night if that's the move the Dolphins go with. Not one bit. And, you know, our good buddy Cern on the Finsider, you know, wrote an article and within it, you know, he kind of said, if you're not changing your opinion, you know, then what are you really doing? You know, you should be able to process all this information and, you know, change on the fly if you must. And, you know, I've been a pretty big Devontae Smith guy, but what I think Kyle Pitts can do to this offense, I mean, I joke, it's kind of like taking when the Power Rangers all come together and they turn into a Megazord. It's like, nice. okay, separate, you're just a Zoid, but when you guys all come together, you're this, un, you know, this powerful unit that can't be stopped. And to add Kyle Pitts, sword. you know, yeah, this massive guy that, you know, he can play inside, he can play he's outside, he can line up at, he's the Zord, he can line up at the traditional tight end position, you know, he can do a little bit of everything, and then he can block and help in the run game, I mean, um, I was pretty heavy on Smith, I still think, you know, that might be the pick, but if I was the general manager and Kyle Pitts was on the board, I don't know how you could pass on that, so Jake, I mean, no. I, I told you by looking at this mock draft, I mean, I really liked it, and I mean, um, this is a hell of a pick, and like you said, Dolphin fans should not be upset if it's Kyle Pitts. And at this point, I think this should be that 1A player. You know, this should be the guy that all Dolphin fans want to be there at six because I do think, like we said, he can change that offense and turn it into a Megazord. I, there is still that little bit of fear of Michael Agnew. I, I think if you're a Dolphins fan, there's there's has to be that little bit. No matter how right. much of a home run a prospect is, uh, I just think about him, and uh, <laughs> I'm sorry nothing's going to change that. It's the way put the Dolphins in, I guess. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I see people comparing Devontae Smith to Ted Ginn, and that's crazy <laughs> to me. So, you know, it's just being a Dolphins fan. It's that PTSD or whatever, you know, we're just— Time uh, is a flat circle. Keep, time is a flat circle. Jake, tell us about who you took at 18 overall because uh, this is a familiar name to a lot of people. I'm staying in Florida. Kyle Pitts at 6 and Jalen Phillips at 18 here. And Josh— Worth saying again that a trade might have been available at this pick. Justin Fields was there, still there at 18. That is absolutely bananas to me. Uh, but after doing a little bit of research, I really liked Phillips because he's flexible. Uh, he can play outside linebacker or on the edge, which I thought was really exciting. And it that kind of screams what Brian Flores is really looking for as that final piece of the front seven uh, that they're trying to put together. They need that stud who can get to the quarterback. Um, I think unlike Charles Harris, though, he'll have the opportunity to work on technique and develop. You know, he's not going to be thrown in there week one and say, go spin around everyone and, and sack the quarterback seven times. 
Um, he did have injury and concussion uh, concerns at UCLA, but after transferring to Miami, he really put it all together. Like I said, he can rush the passer. He, he's decent against the run, and with the veteran experience the Dolphins have in that front seven, I think adding someone like Phillips, who not only can learn, but say he makes a mistake, maybe the Dolphins are competing in week eight, nine. He's becoming a big part of the rotation. Uh, if he makes an error, I think that defense is strong enough where you won't even notice it. Yeah, I mean, this guy's an impressive player. I mean, we talked about him a little bit on the last podcast. I kind of cheated and made a trade down and kind of got Jalen Phillips as an added player in that draft. But Jake, 15 and a half sacks. I mean, like you said, he does everything that this defense truly needs at that outside edge position, you know, to get to the passer. I mean, yes, AVG has some speed. We saw Jerome Baker with a little bit of it last uh, season. But, I mean, Jalen Phillips is just a different dog. The biggest thing, and I know you talked about a little bit, but the injury and concussion issues that he had at uh, UCLA, I saw a former scout, I can't remember his name, was it? Gil Brand or one of those guys, you know, they said Jalen Phillips is the number one edge in this class, but, you know, teams might have concerns because they don't get to bring him into the facilities and, you know, get to do some of those medical checks that they might do mm -hmm. um, in those one-on-one -on -one situations. So I, I love this pick here. I think, you know, there's no reason why this draft couldn't play out this way, but um, I think a lot of Dolphin fans almost have that pick penciled in for Najee Harris, which I think you would probably address the running back position later in this draft. Najee Harris actually went at 15. I, I apologize. Whoa. I thought I wrote, wrote that down. But, yeah, that absolutely Dang. blew my mind. No, sorry. Mika Parsons went to the Patriots at 15, and, and Najee Harris went right after him, which kind of blew my mind. That's yeah. why I probably would have went Harris Justin here. Fields is still available. See, this is why I don't do This is why we don't put too much stock into exactly. these mock drafts, right? But, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, that's crazy. Najee Harris, 15th overall. And I, I think, too, not to sound too cliche here, but when you're talking about an – you know, a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old dealing with injuries. I mean, these kids got to grow into their bodies. You know, when you're putting on that much muscle, when you're competing against other dudes who are, you know, twice your size, especially in the trenches, I mean, it takes a little while to really, uh, you know, fill out your body. And that could just be it for Phillips. But again, you know, those injuries are a little bit concerning. Josh, I do got to ask before we go on to the second round, how is this team going to be in cold weather games if the Dolphins go Phillips and, and Pitts in one and two? Because I don't care what you say. A lot of this Dolphins team uh, has, they live in Florida. They live in Miami where the weather is beautiful year round. So I just, the vision of winter games in Buffalo where they're throwing snowballs, that haunts me. That haunts me. It, I mean, obviously that's a worry before they take Pitts and Phillips. I mean, and I think these two guys being out of Miami doesn't, or Florida, excuse me, doesn't, you know, press the panic button of, oh no, all of a sudden, you know, they can't play in cold weather. But either way, I think about, you know, Ryan Tannehill and Matt Moore, you know, bundled up on the sideline as they're getting killed by the Bills. I mean, it's just a little concerning. I, I guess that's all I have there uh, in general about this team in cold weather games, and I don't think that really had to do as much with these picks. Uh, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, the biggest thing I was going to say, and I, I looked it up, but I, I do remember now, Kyle Pitts is a Philadelphia boy, so he, oh, he probably doesn't have – yeah, so he's probably okay in those cold weather conditions. And you also mentioned you know, how young these guys are. And I, October 6, 2000 is, was when Kyle Pitts was born. He's only 20 years old, so he's not even going to be old enough to drink until, you know, what, week you know six or seven of the season? I mean, that's crazy to think that this is arguably the most talented player in this class. He's six foot six, 240-pound monster. So I don't know how they'll handle those cold-weather conditions, but my first thought was just seeing Kyle Pitts, you know, line up as that extra blocker on the line and them just running the ball down with whatever running back you decide to take later in this draft. <laughs> all right so this is where i think i'm going to start to make people a little upset pick 36 uh there's the trio of linebackers available in davis uh bolton and collins they were all staring me in the face and I, I was really thinking about it uh creed humphrey was available still at 36 
Um, I went Landon Dickerson of Alabama, mostly because he's a, such a flexible player. Like, you can line him up at either of the guard positions. You can play him at center. And, and I think about Jesse Davis. Obviously, you know, people might panic when they they hear Jesse Davis. But, you know, in the first, uh, early in the second round, you think he'd develop a little quicker, develop into a stronger player. And with Miami's youth on the offensive line, having that depth doesn't hurt where this guy can really come in and fill a spot anywhere. Uh, where the Dolphins may need it. So that's kind of why I went with him over Creed Humphrey. Uh, Dickerson does have a lengthy uh, injury history, but not asking for a huge workload, especially in that first year. I don't know if he'd even start opening day. Uh, maybe he can grow into his body at the NFL level. I think it's worth the risk here when you can, you know, have that guy waiting in the wings to take over at guard when, uh, I don't know, Solomon Kinley goes elsewhere and gets $15 million a year. I like this pick because for anything, you know, it's two his friends, right? I mean, this is the guy that was snapped in the football to Tua, so you bring in the familiarity there. I don't know. You mentioned him being flexible. I don't know, Jake, if you saw from his pro day, but he was on the field during a Mac Jones interview doing cartwheels on the field, yep. so this guy is definitely flexible, and again, I think we both agree the Dolphins need a center to pass on Creed Humphrey there. I mean, that, to me, I, like you said, Dolphin fans might have been upset with that, but uh, Dickerson can do a little bit of everything, and I, I like the versatility there, so I like that pick. You know, maybe Brian Flores would be banging the table, Raekwon Davis style for one of those linebackers, <laughs> but uh, getting that center there to learn behind scorer and eventually being that uh you know the guy there on that line for the for the future uh, i like this pick creed humphrey ended up going at 45 nine picks later and the, you know i pick again the dolphins you know pick again at 50 i probably would have traded back up you know it wouldn't have cost too too much to jump up those five spots and you take humphrey there you get the two linemen and and they're you know projected to be starters in the nfl so i mean you can't really go too too wrong there uh, that's why people wanted Sewell, right, to really solidify the offensive line. You could easily do that in the second round. Uh, but sitting at pick 50, after uh, Humphrey went at 45, I went to Mari Rogers. I mean, just reading about this guy, just watching this guy, I mean, he just screams what the Dolphins need for, for Tua, you know? He fits the idea of what Jarvis Landry was in Miami, uh, who went 63rd overall compared to 50 here. I think he is the guy who's going to make his money developing that chemistry with Tua. He doesn't have the strongest catch radius, but, I mean, when your quarterback is as accurate as uh, they can be, I don't think that's really an issue. I think if you have someone like Pitts, have someone like Gusecki, have someone like Parker, have somebody like Williams, big bodies. That's what I'm trying to say here. All those guys are big bodies. So Rodgers here, the ideal guy underneath, I think he could come in and play right away. Uh, it just seems like it, it'd be a match made in heaven for what the Dolphins are trying to accomplish, give uh, Tua that ideal slot receiver who's going to be under contract for four years. Yeah, Homer House liked this move. I mean, I think we all remember seeing him during the Senior Bowl. You know, he's creating we, – I like to do the hand thing or, you know, the SpongeBob big small letters, but – uh, you know, he creates separation with ease. He can work it in the slot. He can do a little bit on the outside. I like Amari Rodgers, and I like what he would bring to this receiving core because, like you said, you know, he brings a different dynamic. And after taking Kyle Pitts there, there was still a need here at receiver. So I like this move. I think Dolphin fans should be excited if they draft Amari Rodgers, and um, we'll leave it at that. 81, my final pick, Josh. You know, this one I had to do a little more research in because everyone kind of knows the top 20 players and, you know, the draft nerds, and I say that, you know, in the – kindest way possible they could probably go through two three rounds and then you know odds are you have to be uh i don't know what the next level of a nerd is to know the full seven rounds most of the players i mean that would just be incredible and i'm jealous of anyone who can do that but i went with michael carter here uh unc guy uh i thought long and hard about taking josh myers who you could put at center 
Uh, and after missing out on the top tier runners, though, I thought the Dolphins had to take a running back here. You, They really need one more guy in that room. Uh, you know, I think Brown and Gaskin kind of play the same style. So I kind of wanted to go with that speedy guy, that guy who, you know, if it's one and one in coverage, he can make someone miss and, and get that yak. And, and that's kind of what Carter is. He has the ability to beat someone in that open field. I think that's something the Dolphins really miss right now, too. Um, you know, since Wils- Albert Wilson went down, uh, and I think back to that Bears game in 2017, they haven't really had someone who is going to catch a ball and make a huge play happen, you know. Especially last year, Josh, it was a lot of, you know, the Dolphins were clean going from the 20-yard line to the 20-yard line, and then the issues really came up when they tried to go from the 20 down to the 10, uh, down into the end zone. Obviously, you have less field to work with. Obviously, it gets harder. So, I mean, if you have someone who can break 50 yards and just take it to the house, things seem a little easier. Uh, he isn't the ground and pound guy that the Dolphins would really get in Najee Harris, the complete, you know, three down back. I think he would make the perfect sidekick uh, for Brown or Gaskin, whoever is the quote-unquote bell cow for the Dolphins. And, again, you know, you spread it out wide. You have him in the uh, backfield with Tua. I think, you know, this is an opportunity to really get take advantage of opposing defenses. Yeah, Jake, I'm right there with you. And, you know, I don't know where I fall into this. I think I'm a little bit of a nerd, but, you know, maybe not. I keep calling him My- Michael Carter-Williams. I believe there was a basketball player. I don't yes. know why, you know, I have a basketball player of all things in my mind. But, I mean, this is a guy that I continue to say is that RB4 for me. You know, I see him right behind Javante Williams, the guy from UNC that I continue to talk about. And, Jake, to be honest, you know, there are times when you're watching film when you can't really tell these guys apart. And that says a lot about what Michael Carter does. We can't overlook that he was at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he broke off a 27-yard run and had 60 yards rushing. Again, he was coached by Brian Flores. And Flores actually had this to say after that game. He said, first off, he's a great kid. He's a hardworking kid. He's smart. He's tough. And he was productive today and really productive throughout the entire week. He played well. This is a guy who had a nice career for UNC, and he's a good back. So some people, I think, forget about this. You know, I think we can sit here and read tea leaves, and you can speculate the Dolphins have interest in this guy or that guy, but I continue to look at who they coach this senior bowl, and I think that Michael Carter can come in here. And, you know, you're right. He's similar to some of those running backs that we have in a way that maybe Najee Harris or Javante Williams is not, but I think Michael Carter is going to be a successful running back at the next level. Carried the ball 156 times last year, 1,245 yards and nine touchdowns. Again, he can do a little bit of everything, and he was coached by the Dolphins. We heard the quote from Brian Flores. I like this pick, Jake, and I think, you know, we should be reading the tea leaves here and thinking, you know, maybe the Dolphins do completely avoid the running back position again like we saw last season, and they settle for a guy like Carter who, again, I say settle, but I mean that with all the respect in the world because he has the talent to be an every-down back in the NFL. Yeah, and I think I think settling is kind of fair because for everything I've read, for everything you know I've listened to, there's there's quote unquote a major drop off. You know, people love using that slogan uh, in, in draft time, but they say there's a major drop off after those three running backs. And I think this is where the Senior Bowl is going to get really interesting. You know, I don't think. Brian Flores and that staff being in the senior bowl changes if you're going to take Najee Harris at 18 or Smith at six or Smith at three, whatever it was. I think that's going to, the coaching at the senior bowl is going to impact this team more in those mid rounds and coaching someone like Carter, seeing the opportunity to fill that edge rusher spot. If you love Phillips in this scenario, of course, this is the value. I mean, Dolphin fans have been screaming, you know, since the Aaron Jones rumors came out. You can draft a guy in the fifth round and he'll be fine. You know, that that's kind of what we heard forever. This is obviously a little higher up, a third round pick, but it's just weird that the same people who didn't want to spend on Jones want to spend a first round pick on Harris. Again, I'd be completely open if 
to the idea of the Dolphins taking Harris. Uh, but coaching Carter at the Senior Bowl, I think this is a, what the Dolphins were really focusing on was these middle-round guys because if you're drafting someone in the first round, I think you sh- you know most people don't get to coach those guys, right? You're going off film. You're going off of interviews. I don't think seeing them for a couple days at the Senior Bowl really changes too, too much uh, in terms of those first-round picks. Yeah, and it's t- honestly to be dis- determined because, I mean, this is what, year two of this unorthodox offseason. I mean, who knows the way teams approach this offseason compared to ones of the past. Um, last thing on Michael Carter, and I had to make a joke that I wasn't sure if I could tweet it out, so I'll just say on the podcast, but watching that game against Miami, I mean, they put, they scored 62 points North Carolina. He had 24 carries for 308 yards, Jake, two touchdowns. When I was watching Javante Williams, when I was watching Michael Carter-Williams, my <laughs> – when I was watching Michael Carter, I kept joking that they should change his name to M- Michael Carved that ass up because, I mean, he ran rampant all over that defense. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you thought that. But, yeah, Josh, I, I like doing these. I hope, you know, as-, as listeners at home, you like doing this stuff too. Uh, it's interesting because we got three weeks left until the Dolphins are going to look a lot different in three weeks, especially having those studs in the first round. But don't sleep on these guys in the third and fourth round because that's how you make it to Super Bowls. That's how you win playoff games is developing the depth. And that's kind of what I wanted to do here in this draft. Let me know what you think. I'm going to post some show notes on Finsider.com. The Finsider.com, excuse me. Uh, let me know what you think. I'll, I'll write all these picks out, some of my thoughts here, and we can go back and forth about them uh, because that's what this time of year is all about. As we mentioned on the top, if you're enjoying this podcast, please, please, please hit that subscribe button. And if you can, leave a review. That stuff helps us out so, so much. And we always look at those and, and we try to learn from them and critique the show off of them. So, so thank you so much, guys, for listening. Josh, you have any last words here before we run out of the, uh, the podcast studio? Nope. Just as always, guys, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, again, our opinion might change over the next few weeks. But like Jake said, this Dolphins team is going to look very different. And I hope you enjoy this ride because you know the 2021 Miami Dolphins is looking pretty bright and the future is looking even brighter until next time fins up fins up that was Finsider Radio part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network Miami has the Dolphins the greatest football team we take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen we're in the air we're on the ground we're always in control and when you say Miami you're talking so Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami.